and welcome to Basic Snitches, Hello. also known as the worst Harry Potter podcast by Washington Shitface on Apple Music. I'm Adam. Title. Yeah, that's our new subhead. Of our- <laughs> In parentheses, observed. <laughs> yes. <laughs> According to some idiot. Tara, what's your name? Uh, it's Tara. Thanks for <laughs> telling me. I wasn't sure. <laughs> and we have two special guests today. We're so happy to be joined by Jill and Sydney. Both of them are co-workers where I work, and we're, of course, going to be talking about the Hogwarts curriculum today. <laughs> Welcome, Jill and Sydney. Thanks. Glad to be here. Thank you for having us. I'm really excited. I hope you all can hear my neighbor edging the lawn for the sixth <laughs> time this week. It's only Thursday. Actually, it is Wednesday. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, I thought it was Thursday all day. The worst. Cool. Sorry. <laughs> no, no. It's good. It's good. Thanks for bringing me back to Earth. Hey, at least it's consistent. That's like two times a day. Um, Reality would not recommend. No, unsubscribe. Do you mind both of you giving us a little bit of your background, your Harry Potter origin story? And of course, what house you're in? Yeah. (laughs) Stare at each other. (laughs) This is the best part about having cameras. We're like, no, 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 you go first. No, 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 you go first. Okay. I'm Sydney. I am a Slytherin to the core. I only found that out. Last than a decade ago, I went to a Harry Potter party and had only ever taken BuzzFeed quizzes. So I was like, <laughs> Ravenclaw, Ravenclaw, Ravenclaw. And then I took the quiz, was shocked, took it again, answered differently, still ended up a Slytherin. And then I was like, oh no, yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. It just took me a minute to get into the role where I was like, oh, I yeah, know that makes a lot of sense. I read Harry Potter after picking up the first book in the airport for something quick to read on a flight to Toronto. And I thought, this is cute and did not realize that it was obviously going to become the phenom that it is. And think of it as a very influential second rate series <laughs> to many other great series, including our Lord and Savior, Philip Pullman, who wrote a much better series. On to you, Jill. Not that I'm opinionated in the least. Follow me. <laughs> great thank you that's a great follow-in I love it I'm chill hello I am also a Slytherin I never doubted that ever I knew from like day one of reading the Harry Potter books that I was a Slytherin so I picked up the first one the summer after my freshman year of college so like 2001 as I just date myself anyway and I was babysitting my cousin's kids And the way their house was set up was that the TV was in the basement and the kids were asleep upstairs. And I'm like, I can't put two floors between us. You know, they didn't have baby monitors or anything. So I was like looking around my cousin's first floor, like what books do they have? (laughs) And they had the Harry Potter book. And so I started reading it. And when my cousin and her husband came home a few hours later, I was about halfway through and I was like, can I please take this home with me to finish it? I did. And then like the next day, I immediately went to the library and checked out Um, up to that point it was just the first four books were out so I checked out the first like two three and four and read them in like a week and um yeah that's how that happened yeah it's like very influential at a particular time in my life like I was working at Barnes Noble when the seventh book came out and here we are I love (laughs) it thank you Tara you're the like Gryffindor breadstick in Slytherin soup or oh my hero (laughs) (laughs) I like it I like it I do too some of my best friends are Gryffindors. <laughs> Gryffindors are all bad. <laughs> we have a running joke on the podcast that all Ravenclaws are actually assholes. Oh, I agree. Oh, I yeah. I see that. For sure. Yeah. If you look at, like, Gilderoy Lockhart, who we <laughs> lovingly call Lockhart. I mean, Marietta Edgecombe, she comes to mind. Mm. 
Quirrell was a Ravenclaw. There's like, so Luna's many. Luna's the only good one. Right. Yep. 100%. Luna? Trelawney is. And I, she, we love Trelawney, but she's a little Yeah. Creepy. She so. fits in that Luna. Our coworker Ricky is a Ravenclaw. And when she told me that, <laughs> yes, I was like, oh, uh, you're like a, yes. you're a Luna Ravenclaw. Yeah. Okay. You're fine. It's like if you have like a rise, he's like a Ravenclaw son, Hufflepuff rising. That, yeah. I feel yeah. like, you know, yeah. you have to have that kook factor to even <laughs> out the like snobbishness, I guess, elitism. I don't know. Agreed. We've had a lot of Ravenclaws on the show with us and they've all been lovely. It's just the ones in the book. They probably have like the kook factor, which is like, great. Penelope Clearwater was like an asshole. She was. That's what it was. Oh, yeah. We were like, she has one line in the story and it's rude. Use your one line to like create havoc. That's great. And she's, of course, Percy's beard too. Yeah. So. <laughs> if you're going to be a beard to that level of asshole, that has to be a Let's quickly take a moment to acknowledge all of our Patreon members. Ashley, Brian, Brittany, Jen, Layla, Mary Beth, Megan, Meredith, Nisi, Nicole, and Raph. As always, thank you so much for your support. You can also join that list by going to patreon.com slash basicsnitches or basicsnitches.com and clicking on the Patreon link there. For $3 to $10 a month, you can get a whole bunch of extra exclusive content every single week, be acknowledged in every one of our episodes, and a little bit more for those higher tiers. This week it is a Screen Rant week, so Tara walks us through a curriculum-focused Screen Rant, and we may actually kind of like this one. Subscribe and find out. Let's jump into it. Hogwarts Ooh. curriculum, listeners. We're taking kind of like an open approach. I guess a good place to start when we're talking about curriculum is Owls and Newts. And right now we are at the end of book five. Uh, we have one chapter left <laughs> to record after this, which is yeah. wild. Yeah. So crazy. And so we just saw the owls. What are your thoughts on how the testing happens at Hogwarts between owls in fifth year, newts in seventh year, and then ta-da, welcome to the real world after that? Assessments are clearly like not a strong suit. If anyone had gone through the like, what is your formative and summative assessment process? I feel like there might be some lacking there. I think an interesting place to start if I can go back a book is that like, I feel like it made more sense, the kind of structure of curriculum. We start here with the idea that we're going to end with this test that comes in a certain year. In my mind, like everything goes to hell in book four. Like as soon as you have the other schools come in, they're like, classes what? Suddenly when you're fighting dragons and like almost drowning and like getting messed up with port keys, you're not really following a crick. I mean, you could make the argument that they never really do. Like, obviously the school is secondary to the plot and I get that, but I'm here for a strong curriculum. I want to be able to open up a book and by following the curriculum, I want to be a whole ass magician at the end of it. I feel very strongly about that because not to be like, <laughs> but I am writing a book that has magical curriculum in it. And I'm taking that curriculum extremely seriously. You should see the course book she that is. goes along with it. She and is. I'm, I love and I'm not, thank you. And I'm not saying that like, oh, JK really should have done a lot more work necessarily. But I feel like at some point you have to understand that you're building up to a set of exams, like you said, that's going to launch these young people into the real world. And it needs to be hierarchical it should probably be linear 
<laughs> you get to the goblet of fire and you're just like, light it on fire, let's go. <laughs> and it's just like nothing you've learned points to what you should know and nothing you've learned in the past is helpful. And once we get to that book, we're just like, wait, what classes do you have to take? Take these tests. Yeah. It just feels like it started in one place and then you're just picking up pieces of popcorn off the floor. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> no, I get what you're saying. Not to give the author any credit, I think in general, when people are creating anything, they go into everything with this intention of it being this full and, and dense thing. And then there's so much of it. And you're like, I have to I focus on it. And I'm yeah. sure that that's what had to happen. That doesn't mean that we don't fucking want to know. because we Right. Right. Well, and I, I think if the majority of your story happens at a school, then there's a certain responsibility to follow some kind of recognizable school structure and yeah. to ensure that your students are learning in a way that makes it easier to put your readers in those positions. To do hand wavy things and be like, oh, all he needed to do was go in the tub and listen to the egg is great. And we're like, rely on your friends for some of this. But like the fact that they go to the library a whole bunch of times and find nothing, like it's just like kind of an antithesis to learning. And like, even if you're not like, I'm going to write a magic book, or I'm going to write a book about a magic school and build a curriculum that is the foundation of that, I think that's fine. But then why do you spend so much time at school if you're not going to talk about fucking school? <laughs> talk about something else. <laughs> talk about how it's not really strong in curriculum and it's better in sports. There are a lot of ways that you could have like compared it to a different kind of school. It could have been a heavy sports school or really good for like magical veterinary medicine and done a lot of other stuff than being like, it's one of the foremost schools for magical education you're like where I don't have any opinions on this subject which I know is why you brought me on today <laughs> not at all <laughs> none whatsoever no it's like a big reach for her she's like oh god what can I talk about what am I gonna do <laughs> I think for me the owls and news reminded me of state standardized testing where mm -hmm. I'm like what is the point really <laughs> I think especially because like when I remember taking standardized testing senior year which is kind of what the news would be the only benefit to passing all of them was I didn't have to take finals. Like there was no real, right. didn't really matter in any big way. And I think the thing about the owls is that, you know, you study all this time these years. And then if you don't pass certain owls, you can't take certain classes. Like, is, is there any assessment anywhere in between there? Is that just like your one shot? That seems kind of bullshit. That's real but, scary too. Yeah, to yeah. be like, didn't you want to be an aura Harry? And he's like, yeah, but I screwed up these classes and now I can't. Like, that seems like a lot of like, well, I put all my eggs in this basket and then they broke when they tumbled down the stairs. Yeah. Yeah, you're right, Jill. That's upsetting. And they have to like <clears throat> know what they want to do when they're 15. Right. I don't know what I want to do when I'm almost 40, right? <laughs> For real. Yeah. We Same. had talked about when they took the owls, how they talk about, okay, in order to be XYZ, you need to have strong owls in divination or mm -hmm. in runes or whatever. There's no indication of a conversation in their third year that, okay, if this is the career path you want, these are the types of elective. Yeah. Right. Exactly. This where's is what's going to help you. Where's the rubric? Exactly. Like, where's, where's the course the catalog? And it says, like, this class is a science and also a math. I mean, like, I know it doesn't necessarily have to align with traditional curriculum structure. But you're right, Adam, like having some kind of touch point where you can yeah. be like, okay, this is how I insert myself in the story. I think a lot of people love 
the classes because they're like, ooh, potion sounds fun. Or like, I would love to learn how to fly. Or like, it would be really cool to be able to transfigure into an animal. But no one really talks about like why you would do that. Sure, plot devices make a lot of sense. If you learn transfiguration so that you can have serious black as a relative, that's a great plot device. I'm not being like, well, that's a terrible idea. But does that help you with your future career goals that you need to know what they are at 15 (laughs) no but even so if you are signing up for those electives at the end of your second year for your third year you're 12 years old and if you don't take ancient runes and then two years later you do this thing and they're like well you need ancient runes but i guess this can't be your career path because you never took it yeah this might be a super dumb question because i have this is an area of study that i have zero experience in does any is anybody familiar with like the brit are you you know what it's like in britain oh no oh Oh, i would love to know what you know about ancient runes first of all this much but (laughs) whatever you know is more than me and i'm fascinated and i want to know more about every class I, i was thinking like does anybody know like was she basing it on is that how is that what it's like in Britain? Like, do you kind of have to know early on at least like an area that you want to go? I cannot imagine that it's something you have to know so early in life. Yeah. Because <laughs> if I thought she was a smart person or a clever person, I could think that would be like a really cool thumbing your nose at society to be like, well, you know, like if in Britain you have to know at 17, but she was like, well, in Britain we have to know at 12. Like, that's a pretty good dunk. But I just, I don't have a lot of faith in her. Yeah. I know that at the very least, they are sorted into houses and there are prefects and all that, but yeah, yeah, I don't really know. You know, there's primary and secondary. I know that from like ebooks now, Uh, (laughs) things like that, but that's kind of like where my knowledge ends with UK structure. I mean, it's probably better than ours because this kind of stuff. With that kind of overarching kind of structure, let's dive into some of the classes. One that I have said ad nauseum on the podcast, and so Tara, I'm sorry for this being like the 500th time, especially in this book when occlumency and legitimacy is such a big theme. Well, A, I'm sorry, this is a little bit of Tara's brainchild too, especially on the occlumency stuff. And perhaps this is something that should be like a basic course, especially what if one of the other students is a legitimens and they are able to read the brains of the other students. Yep. But similarly, as somebody who is also very witchy, Jill and Sydney, you're also in that little pocket I don't know that's the word that came to my head I love it I always feel like divination is like a nice base being able to focus and kind of ground yourself and use your divination tools can help guide you and figure out, okay, what is my next step? Basically what I'm saying is let's nominate divination as the first one to talk to her. Yeah. Here I am dunking again, but like if Stephanie Meyer can get it right with Alice, like knowing your shit ahead of time can really like set the stage for what you can and can't do. And just like as a base level, if you've got folks who can do this, think about the long-term or far-reaching, I should say, effects. Of that. I think because they put Trelawney as the bumbling professor for it, I think they did that class a real disservice. Like, I think you could have deepened the relationship with it. It felt so like, oh, it's like reading your horoscope, or oh, it's like reading your astrology. It's like it just felt such a yeah. throwaway class. I mean, even making it so that Hermione snubbed it 
when she's like quote unquote the smart girl was just like such a kick in the teeth for what it could have been used for i think it's a wasted opportunity i think you're right adam Agreed. Yeah, with like Trelawney and it's in the tower where it's like a pain to get to because you have the school of magic and divination in the form of tea reading leaves or palm reading or tarot is actually something that outside of the book series is a thing that exists and people do. And it's just like treated as this joke course. Yeah, there's so much she could have done, especially building up to book five and the prophecy. That's the only time we sort of see Trelawney in a different light. But by then, you've had three, four, and five. I don't think the payoff is worth all of a sudden making Trelawney the one. Yeah. Yeah. That is such an incredibly astute observation, Jill. Like, it didn't occur to me that all of these classes are out of the realm of what we know, you know, for real, we can do as humans outside the book world. It's unlikely that you'll be able to fly on a broomstick. It's unlikely that you'll be able to do the ridiculous charm and, you know, banish a boggart. It's unlikely that you'll be able to cast a Patronus, but you might learn to read tea leaves. People in the real world will pull a daily tarot card and figure out what the hell is going on with their life or with a question. And even if you don't believe in it, which why would you be writing a book if you didn't even want to lend some legitimacy to the coursework? Why wouldn't you want to have some small opening to let the mundanes and the muggles into your world? It seems like such an easy thing to be like, well, if everybody starts at divination, the only reason you can't get into Hogwarts is because you couldn't move on to the next level. Instead of just being like, divination, what a joke. Hey, I'm over here pulling the death card and I want to know why. Like, that's powerful yeah you know it's kind of amazing because she does kind of bastardize some things with divination tarot never comes up yeah does it right i don't think so Mm -hmm. no speaking of i know like jill you're one of your favorite cards is the death card correct Mm mm-hmm and it would have been interesting for someone to pull the, the way that Trelawney acts at the very least. Oh, the death card. That means you're going to die well, tonight. That's what happened with the dog. I mean, in the yeah. tea leaves. Right. Yeah. It's kind of like an easy swing and a yeah. miss, I guess. To both of your points, too, something else that kind of bugs me about Trelawney, even though immaculate vibes, but <laughs> yes. Um, yes. how she's always like, you have it or you don't. If you're a seer, great. But if not, this isn't for you. You're SOL. Right. Yeah. yeah, that's true. That could be part of it. If she knows that nobody takes her seriously, she only wants people in her class who take it seriously and mm-hmm. who quote unquote have the gift or whatever. I could somewhat understand gatekeeping it that way. If you're like mm-hmm. the entire rest of the school, like yeah. nobody wants to take this class. <laughs> I know it. The teachers don't like me. They make fun of yeah. me. I'm going to take what students do want it and are serious and I will teach them. Fuck everybody else. Yeah. Right. I think it could also go along with those vibes of you don't pass your newts and your owls. You can't be an aura. Like if you're not a seer, then there is no way for you to accurately use any, I don't know if you can't pass it. Like I can't imagine like if they're like, oh, Harry, you're not a seer. Why would you have continued in that class if you can't pass the class? Like Mm-hmm. Maybe you pass the class as like a, and essentially like a divination squib. If you are just never going to get good at it the same way, oh, shoot, you didn't pass, you know, whatever transfiguration, you'll never be an aura. It's like, well, I guess my path is set at 16 old years. Yeah. <laughs> to your point of divination being something that people actually do, 
two other courses seem at least somewhat more based in reality. There's probably more, honestly, that I'm not thinking of, but herbology mm-hmm. and potions come up. Mm-hmm primarily herbology. Obviously, a lot of the work around herbology is based in fiction, but I've always gotten the vibe, and I think, Tara, you would agree that Sprout always is a little bit more grounded, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. What do you think about anything in either of those classes, herbology or potions that kind of comes up in terms of the best way to kind of teach students about these courses? (laughs) Well, I love the fact that it's like the course that's most closely aligned with Neville. The person who ends up doing damage to Nagini and like making it to the end and being underrepresented at the beginning, like I think that's your grounding character and it builds your foundation for everything else and possibly the other person upon whom the prophecy sits. I also think that it's a very obviously like earthy card and so much of what else takes place in the world of Hogwarts and the world of Harry Potter as a whole is very like airy, right? Like it's, I'm not trying to bring it back down to astrology, but like just the basic elemental feel like this is something that is fully based in the forest, in the care of the planet. It's very like, it's something that both the magic folk and the muggles experience, which is kind of interesting. It's funny because as you're mentioning these classes, I'm like, oh, divination, herbology, and maybe potions, although potions always reminds me of chemistry class. I didn't take chemistry until I was a sophomore, which seems to me, you know, that's like 16-ish. So it would have been like, what, year five? Adam's like, you're building a foundational course structure here. Like you're, you're rejiggering the Hogwarts curriculum to be like, these are the classes you should start with. These are the ones that keep you closest to the ground, to the earth, to the muggles. And then you kind mm. of build up in a way. Cause once you get into anything super esoteric where you're dealing with like imaginary creatures and defense against things that are coming to attack you, like you're kind of moving up and up into the stratosphere a little bit. Where is all of this coming from? I don't know. It's just flying out of my mouth. <laughs> never, never thought these thoughts before actively. So great. I love it. That's a cool way to look at it. Like closest <laughs> to the muggles and then moving upwards. Obviously that brings up, I was going to say a joke class, but like <laughs> muggle studies, like just, I don't oh. really care about muggle studies, but I like that interpretation. Also, similarly, like I've always thought as potions as like a chemistry as well. Mm-hmm. I think of potions as like, well, actually, I mean, it's chemistry, but like baking in this idea of that you can improv cooking. You mm-hmm. cannot improv baking because baking is chemistry. We're talking about like foundations and like what they're building. Do they not take like an English or math class? I, you know, I think about this all the time, Joel. <laughs> sure. We can say potions is their science class. There's history of magic. Okay. Right. You know, herbology is somewhat of a science class. Sure, we'll get that. Where's your English and math class? They not take those? There are a lot of instances that we joke about where, like, they could have used a math class in this instance. Reading the, like, instructions on the side in the margins of, like, the Half-Blood Prince book where he's like, no, 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 it's 11 of these seeds or whatever. (laughs) Like, you're like, Like, oh. How are you doing potions without Without any math. math? But it doesn't seem built into that curriculum. Like, I don't see Snape teaching math, like, fractions. (laughs) Do they just, like, have the knowledge? Like, If you're uh, presumably growing up from being an 11-year-old to being an 18-year-old, that's a big jump in what you are able to read and comprehend. Three rolls of parchment. Obviously, that's, like, writing on the blackboard. I get it. But, like, what does that do? And I also think, like, to your earlier point, Jill, about 
what are the assessments for these owls? What are these assessments for new? Is it just, I'm a good test taker. So I don't even have to study for this. If it's just like written or like whatever, they're doing more assessment style grading or like proof that they can do this work in potions class. You're seeing people get their eyebrows singed off. Right. You know, all of these different things where it's just like, you either can do this or you can't, or you know how to read these directions, or you can't, or you know how to improv all the things that go into these classes, or you can't, and then you're going to sit down for a written exam. They're like, well, I guess I can't go on with what I was hoping to do with my life. I guess I'll go study muggles. It's fun to me because I have always kind of thought of Snape in particular, which is a very polarizing character, of course, Mm -hmm. in terms of seeing him as like, you said baking Jill. And I'm like, oh, he's not the chemistry teacher. He's the home ec teacher. But then also like from my past with math, I majored in English and public relations and I was never a math person. I had to retake math in college. And now all I do is math. So like my knowledge of math professors and stuff and their like kind of coldness translates kind of well to Snape. So yeah, <laughs> interesting to see that. I'm a Slytherin. I love Snape. Lots of reasons people don't like him, which are totally respectable. I think he is a very stern teacher, but I think he's actually a very good teacher. He very clearly wants those students to pass. He just is a very hard on them, perhaps overly hard on them. But I think about when he like comes into and takes over Defense Against the Dark Arts and it's just like, what have you been doing for the past like three Mm -hmm. years him as a home ec teacher i mean that's That's somewhat amusing (laughs) what are the other skills you learn in home ec like is that also sewing and checkbook balancing is that like your life skills class honestly i don't remember doing anything in home ec except cooking and sewing I don't yeah, we did cooking and sewing. Okay. I don't remember doing any check balancing or anything that my mom probably wanted me to learn. <laughs> in that way, we never really learned that in schools. Although someone was just telling me, oh my God, I can't even remember who it was. Someone was talking about learning some of that stuff, financial independence mm-hmm. class. You see, that's probably more college. That's interesting to me that there's not the math in this world. I think of moments of like anything having to do with banking. Oh, yeah. I remember us talking about this, Tara, where I think it was around the Quidditch World Cup with the muggle. And like he needed, I don't know, X amount of pence or whatever it was. Arthur Weasley was like, what the fuck is this? But similarly, I mean, for us, yes, we learn matrices is something that I remember in math. Mm -hmm. But it's not a translation necessarily into hard math skills as an adult. I think one of the things that has confused me about the books, and I'm probably overthinking things because this is what I do, to that point, Muggle studies probably should be a core class because you Mm -hmm. live in the Muggle world. Like, where are they going grocery shopping? How do they not know how to use the tube? How but are it's you so isolated. If you think about Arthur Weasley, who doesn't know anything about anything, and like, it's also it's it's the same weird hand wavy bullshit where it's like they wear normal clothes but also I know, robes. But that frustrates but like, I, me. I, I, it's super frustrating, especially when you've got like a grown ass adult, Arthur Weasley, who's had a bunch of kids, whose life is in this very kind of like mundane world. And if, if you're supposed to be like an expert on this stuff, like, how do you not know what? how the subway works how do you have a car like if you don't know how certain things work and it just feels like it wasn't super well thought out the other thing I'm thinking is like what could have been clever is if you've got all of these classes that in a muggle translation of the magical world would have taken math and I'm sure we can make the same alignment with English it takes math to do physics 
It takes physics to fly. Even if you're hand waving and you like can't fly and then you do a spell and you can fly, it could have been a really sly trick to put in there and be like, well, this is how you know how to go high, low, fast, slow, turn around, da da da. You have to do some like, this is how I know how to play pool because I'm using the like Pythagorean theorem. It could have been a really clever way to kind of slip in these mogul courses or like how to be a human. But instead, she relies on, I'm going to be unfair, but I think rightly so, she on slaves and Jews. And that's where you're like, oh, okay, I see you let the quote-unquote inferior races do this work for you. I see you, mm. Joanne, and it's ugly. I'm not saying it's like, I couldn't have written Harry Potter. Like, obviously, there's like some genius level work going on here, but there are some real missed opportunities also English and math. <laughs> yeah. We're not going to talk about it because as human children reading these books, we know what math class is like. Like no one's yeah. saying you have to describe what it was like to go to trig, but just that it was offered as part of the curriculum because it's part of being a human. Yeah. I just cannot imagine being able to function without those very, very basic things. Physics is an interesting one too, because you mentioned flying class. What came to my mind was the last two kind of like core classes that we see and if we're we're, you know referring to the four houses Mm -hmm. and that's transfiguration and charms some of that makes me think of more like a physics thing like what Mm -hmm. are the physics of turning like a beetle into a button but there's so many other things you know making a pineapple tap dance is something i remember or i don't know there was something with teapots Mm-hmm. and whatnot mm-hmm. it, those two are the two that seem you know classically magical yeah but there isn't really like the counterpart in muggle education so physics almost fits well there mm-hmm. and i think also of course those are two of the professors that for me are the most beloved and the most like with their heads on straight too mm-hmm. oh, God, yes like i'm sitting here racking my brains for some kind of mundane version of a charms class Yeah, I don't know what it would be. Right? I'm probably being way too basic with this, but it's the name of the podcast. So, but the idea of like a glamour. Mm -hmm. So would it be like an art class or something where you're creating something, like making a mask, making a, you know, doing a self-portrait, creating an alter ego piece. Like, you know what I mean? That like maybe that is something charms adjacent. Mm, That sounds like maybe also or maybe even more so transfiguration adjacent yeah Um, you're right and if i could take like a charms class i just would be the laziest bitch on the planet i'd be like a million percent you think i'd draw this eyeliner on every day eat it not a chance akio for everything yeah (laughs) literally (laughs) if if i'm only allowed to do one spell for the rest of my life you fucking better believe I mean, there's other yeah. ones that we've talked about. When they first introduced, and this is, of course, Defense Against the Dark Arts, but when they, when they first <laughs> introduced Crucio, you know what I'm about to say. When I'm not feeling motivated, if I had to control myself, like, I would Crucio myself. That's, that's <laughs> Like, oh, you can't get out of bed? Crucio. Get in the shower, Adam. <laughs> yeah, all of that. Oh, I'm really tired, but the lawn needs to be mowed. <laughs> Crucio. I'm sure there's an easier charm for that. Like, molus gracius. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you could probably just charm your lawnmower into mowing the grass for you. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Probably less, like, you know, long-term damage. Painful? Right. <laughs> Any other classes that 
we haven't touched on that I think have like a curriculum kind of trajectory? I think she probably also, I think, did a great disservice with History of Magic because that would probably be my favorite. I mean, I want to learn that shit. Why do you give like a super boring dead (laughs) teacher who just like dies and doesn't realize it. So he just keeps coming back to class. Groaning on and on, yeah. What is that? I feel like that could have been if you had a different teacher. Like I had a history teacher in high school. I distinctly remember we came into the classroom one day and the chalkboard was just covered with like a web of notes and outlines. And it was when we were talking about Watergate and like he was so engaging and so into this topic. I feel like you could have had a really cool history teacher. Yeah. Not just for the students, but for us too. And like to the point you made, yeah. Sydney, about the library, what are they doing in here? Yeah. You're right. We don't really see We're never really there. there. We're never really in there. And yeah. they make fun of Hermione for going to the library all the time. Like, what well, is up with that? Yeah. And I think with History of Magic too, the other piece of that is like, I, I wasn't even thinking like, wow, what an engaging, amazing class this could be, especially for someone like Harry who doesn't have the history. He didn't grow right. up with it. He'd be like, oh my God, this has always been around or like the sect of magic or whatever. But also, <laughs> how do we learn from our mistakes if we're not looking at our own history? Like, right. again, I wish you were smartly saying that to be like, and this is how Voldemort came back because we're too busy listening to our dead droning teacher to look at what came before us, but she never said that. She was never like, ha ha, what we really need to do is get a new history of magic teacher so that kids never make this mistake again or whatever. No. I mean, yeah, because you would, you would talk about Voldemort, which is mean you would yep. talk about the Potters and you only really get that in Mad-Eye Moonies, although it's not really Mad-Eye Moody at the time. Right. But anyway, but like, okay. you know, talking about the curses and how only one person has ever survived it. Like, how mm-hmm. would that not come up all the time Right. In classes, who Harry Potter is. Well, like, how does every family know who, oh, that's Harry Potter? How the fuck do you know? Like, there's no, like, word of mouth. They're like yeah. two magpies with a can. And it's just, <laughs> See, <laughs> I know. Harry Potter got a lightning bolt. Like, that's not in your class? That's a good point. Um, History of Magic, when you have this historical figure in your class, I think at the very least, a lot of my history tutors were like, they were just there to be the football coach or whatever. Mm, right. And it okay, I had a great history teacher in high school. I don't even like history, but I had this great teacher that he was engaging like that. I took history elective my senior year just so I could have him. Is that not the point of being a teacher? Like, right? Right. I mean, I guess, with your obviously Professor Binns loves history of math. Sure. <laughs> Like you could bring in the ghosts as speakers for the day. Like, so there's all cool. kinds of stuff I love to talk yeah. about, but I'm sure I'm not the right person to tell people about it. With a rich history, you would think like this would be engaging for anybody. Mm-hmm. You would think so. Yeah, that's a really good point. The idea of bringing in Helena Ravenclaw, Ravenclaw. Oh, yeah. in to give that portion of even just like the Hogwarts history yeah. or whatever. Oh. There are so many other things that could have been done. And all we hear is about like the Goblin Wars and whatnot. Right. Yeah, there's definitely a disservice there. The one time that I really think of History of Magic getting like its limelight in the series and it, the movie doesn't even get it because it's something McGonagall says is in the second book where they um, are asking about the Chamber of Secrets. Oh, yeah. And that's like Binz's main thing. My moment in the sun, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I have a website up that's going through the different years. So here's a couple other classes that are coming up. Alchemy. That's in your second year. They're like, would you like to learn about everlasting life? 
I'm 12. (laughs) I think 25 is old at that point. But here's like one that I haven't thought of in a while is paramagical creatures. I totally forgot. Like we can't not talk about that, you know? Oh my gosh. One of you had mentioned like veterinary magic. There is at least that. Of course, we critique Hagrid here and there about some of his choices. Sure. Fire lobsters for all of book three. Or then they move to flobberworms, which is extremely engaging. Sure, sure. Um, Mm -hmm. One of the biggest things in doing this podcast that has been great is having an opinion about a character and then it changing. And for me, it's Grubbly Plank. Mm -hmm. And how at first I was like, "Mm, I don't know about this Grubbly Plank, but in this reread with the podcast, she is lovely. And I'm like, we need more Grubbly Plank. That's awesome. Some of the things that she brings in. That is a great example of you see the professor creating their own curriculum. And what is the purpose of the way that Hagrid chooses um, the hippogriff and the Mm -hmm. festival and all of that. Similarly, this was kind of the, well, I'm just going to go with what we like to call her on the podcast, the big pink chode in the room, which is Umbridge. Um, And how in this book, she attempts to change so much of the curriculum Mm -hmm. and dumb it down. And of course, Hagrid is a victim of that. A really key piece is when in potions, uh, Snape is teaching the draught of strength, I believe. And that's where she says, this is not something we want to teach students. And it's very telling. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, we all have our opinions on that lovely character. Mm -hmm. Tara, I was going to ask, is that a blanket that you have on? No, it's... Oh, but it's not all pink. It is multicolored. It is multicolored. Okay, good. It's stripey and cute, yes. (laughs) Okay, good. (laughs) I was like, how dare you wear that pink? Yes, you can only see the pink. Yeah, (laughs) you can. I'm sorry. It's It's okay. (laughs) I, I own two things that are pink and both of them have lots of other colors. I don't want to necessarily give her the benefit of the doubt, but when she comes in and she's trying any of this, is there anything that she is doing that is a little bit more standard in terms of creating curriculum or is she really creating as much harm as we think she is? That is a challenging question, I think, after we've <laughs> spent this entire season roasting her. Sure. Looking for a silver lining in a very, very, very dark cloud Every class we're introduced to, except I think to your point, Jill, having Snape as a professor who seems very, we're going to do this in some kind of logical order. And we're going to look and see to make sure that you're passing the class to move on to the next thing. Everything is kind of like, and now hold this crazy flying biting thing. Now we're going to send you home with a book that might attack you. I don't think her methods were right obviously. And I don't even think that her curriculum changes were right. But I do think there's some benefit to being like, what have you missed? And Snape said it too. So I mean, I I would rather give more credit to Snape than to Umbridge. It's basically like, oh, yeah, we want you to run. And we want you to hurdle. And we want you to javelin. And we want you to race. It's like Umbridge coming in and be like, do any of you know how to tie your shoes yet? There's some benefit to either going back to basics or re-engaging with something over time. Like I'm taking a class on Duolingo right now. And every few days they're like, you have to go back and take a class in session one. So you remember your articles or whatever. And I'm like, this is bullshit. And then I'm like, oh man, I, I'm glad I did that. I forgot this piece. I just obviously think she handled it horribly because she's a horrible person. Yes, I agree. I think the reasons that she is in there and her ties to 
the ministry and all that sort of overshadows because I don't know if this is a controversial statement or not, but Dumbledore is terrible. He's oh, a terrible headmaster. And I think she comes in and is like, this is a mess. But she course corrects too far. I well, think she course corrects for the wrong reason. She course corrects for the wrong reason. Yeah, she's not course correcting because she's like, oh shit, these kids are going to get out in the world and face all this stuff and be completely unprepared to deal with things because they haven't learned the basics. She's like, we should ban all the books. We should make sure that we're teaching abstinence. Like she's doing right. all the wrong shit. Whereas if it had been a Snape type character, he would have come in and be like, absolutely not. Like, turn your textbooks back, page 14. Like, let's yeah, start let's here. Start, you know? Yeah, correct. Mm-hmm. We've talked a lot about how the overabundance of power that Umbridge has creates so much more trauma. Everything that Harry is going through, on top of speaking of like Dumbledore having this avoidant thing with Harry that now at the end of the book, the last chapter we just did, which is actually the chapter that will be published after this. So Ooh. maybe a little bit of spoiler alert, The Lost Prophecy, where we start to learn mm-hmm. all about this and everything that he has just experienced. And we talked a lot about the things that Dumbledore has done wrong and why Harry is reacting in the way that he did. And then mm-hmm. kind of backpedaling <clears throat> all of that trauma that he ha- has experienced. <laughs> the key role that Umbridge has played in this book in taking that trauma and like blowing it up yeah. And, you know, one big problem that we have always said about Hogwarts is that there's no school counselor. We've got Pomfrey, who is delightful. How wonderful would it have been for there to be another professor who is best buddies with Pomfrey, is able to help out these students who desperately need someone? Yeah. In my mind, I know that Pomfrey and Sprout, they're like best buddies. And I would love it yeah. <laughs> to see someone like Sprout do that. Yeah. Or like, But that's something that's completely missing. I think I'm um, going to imagine it as they're actually together. I ship it. And I feel like maybe they're just you know. too busy, like trying to keep the romance a secret to worry about, you know. I also like, I think about having been a teacher and knowing that I would find out like two years after one of my kids had graduated that they were drunk in my class all the time or that they had like a horrible eating disorder. Even if you're like cool teacher with cool classes that kids take because you're you teach a fun elective like they're not telling you stuff. I think about somebody like McGonagall who seems to have an eagle eye seems to at least have a pulse on what's going on even if she feels powerless sometimes. She doesn't know everything. She's always just like what are you three up to? You know like she she knows that something's up but she doesn't necessarily know what it is when it's happening what's happening how to solve it. I have to imagine there's probably a lot of powerlessness. Yeah. Being a teacher at Hogwarts because you're attempting to keep your safe space, follow some dictator like Umbridge. Like you're trying to do all the things and we see what happens to Trelawney when she's deemed like an inessential teacher. Yeah. It's interesting because I've never really looked at it from like, oh, first through seventh year. The two classes that I don't think we've talked about were ancient runes, which I know you mentioned super early, Adam, and ancient studies, which seems to be like a next level history of magic because it seems to be a lot like civilizations and where we're going to learn about different things but it is kind of similar to the curriculum because at first I was like these classes are all the same but in high school you always take a math a science a history you know yeah. an elective a da, da, da. So I was like oh I guess that makes sense after all yeah it's interesting to hear about something like alchemy when you said I was like alchemy man that's alchemy. like a blip and yeah. ancient studies and it's interesting to really talk about all of this. And still, there's so many others. We touched on muggle studies. We touched on all smaller classes that we barely even see. 
with that, we have a little bit of a game, but actually yeah. what it is, and I forced Tara to take the owls in the owls chapter, but oh my god, the book. We're going to look at this BuzzFeed quiz. One of you said BuzzFeed quizzes before. And you yeah, that's, how I, that's how I thought I was a raving clock. Okay. You guys ready to take some owls? Oh, oh yeah, God. Sure. Let's do Good it. Lord. Let's do it. Okay. So the first question is, what is the incantation for a vanishing spell? Evan, let's go. Yeah. I'm like, I know what it's not. So let's go with <laughs> Process two. of elimination. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Yes. Everyone feel good about Evanesco? Evanesco. I feel good. Okay. Awesome. For the listeners, the other options were Aguamenti, Accio, and Expecto Patronum. So I feel at least good about that one. Yeah. yeah. One of the main ingredients of the draught of peace is Moonstone, Nose Hair, Tears, and Pygmy Puffs. I'm pretty sure Moonstone. I think Moonstone. That's what yeah. I was thinking too. It's either Moonstone or Tears. I think it's Moonstone though. Yeah. Pygmy Puffs would be really unfortunate. That, that feels animal cruelty. Really I'm going to say that. Right. And nose hair just feels wrong to me. It does. There's nothing peaceful about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Moonstone sounds good. Moonstone? Yeah. 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 Uh, anxiety. That's good to know. I have a lot of that. Actually, this was another one where I was like, I need this in my life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> As you learn to perform a silencing charm, Professor Flitwick provides which animals to practice on. I think it's frogs and ravens. Silence shot. You know what? I think you're right. Because actually- It I is think frogs and ravens. Yeah, it came up in something similar. Like we did like a quiz or something. I also agree. I think it's frogs and ravens. Obviously, crabs don't really make the sound. So pixies and crabs, thestrals and dragons, and then unicorns and buffaloes. I've never heard them speak of buffalo in the right. of Harry Potter that I can remember. And I feel like thestrals and dragons, most people can't see thestrals, right? And right. a dragon seems like a lot of work. Right. Those seem like difficult to get into the classroom to mm-hmm. practice wow. on. Yes. There oh. we are. With uh, movie one, uh, Flitwick. Okay. When you're not expecting that to pop on your screen, it's a little bit jarring. I forgot okay. that part where he like changed. They're like, you know what? We're not going to dress you like that anymore. We're gonna... <laughs> kind of Benjamin buttoned himself. <laughs> yes, right. Warwick Davis is like, do I have sure it to like that? Right. I know. I was already a goblin in this movie. Can I please like. Oh, that's right. <gasps> Let me live. God, he did that too. Yeah. <laughs> Next. Oh. What is the name of the plant that looks like a cactus with boils that squirts out stink sap? (laughs) Well, gross. I am positive I know this answer. I know this answer. We're going by process of elimination. Isn't it the Mimbulus Mimbletonia? Yeah. I think it's not gillyweed, obviously. I don't remember what double snare does. And Mandrake is real? Mandrake is is real. Yeah. But like that's also in the book, though. Like that's the one that when they put it out. And then I mean, like, the devil snare is the one that Hermione gets caught in the mm-hmm. first book when they go through the yeah, 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 yeah. obstacle course thing. Okay. Exactly. Yes. I remember this because cool. when this first came up, one of our other special guests, Brian and Tara, they were able to just rattle that off. And I was like, okay, wait a minute. Mimbleus. Because it's from this book. Okay. And there it is. And it's all. There it is. What do bow truckles eat? Niffler uh, droppings, wood lice, unicorn hair, mermaid scales. Ice. I'm that pretty sure wood lice. I like the idea of mermaid scales because they are, you know, attracted to shiny things. But I, think it's <clears throat> I think it's wood lice. Yeah. And also, I feel like mermaid scales would be hard to come by. Right. Also, it's the only non-magical thing, which kind of sets it apart. Yeah. Like unicorn Niffler, you know. In the divination owl exam, you must tell a future by conjuring green fire, singing in a foreign language, reading poems, or gazing down a well. 
I actually <laughs> do not know this answer. This is the first one. Wait, 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 wait. Frere Jaca. No, I, I can't divine anything. It's not singing in a foreign language or gazing right. down a well. I think it's reading palms, but even in my mind, I'm like, I that thought he pretty in a crystal ball. Yeah. Um, so now I'm confused, but no, he like... does read palms in does the Fifth Okay. Okay. Yeah. okay. He mixes up the lifeline and the. Oh, that is right. Okay. okay. So they are reading palms at the very least in the owl. So to that point, I think maybe I would go with this one too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, no. Who is the author of History of Magic? I feel like this one is pretty easy. I love that Madam Maxine. <laughs> Not this asshole. I mean, who knows? I want right. to read a history right. of magic written by Ludo Beck. <laughs> I do too. I do too. I feel also, like we, Ludo would probably have a really great podcast. Like, I would listen to Ludo Bagman just talk about whatever. <laughs> whatever. Yeah, whatever comes to mind. Yeah. For In sure. Fact, I want these two to have a podcast. Yes. Ludo and Maxine. Ludo, Maxine. Yeah. That's yes. amazing. Most All unlikely right. ship, but. <laughs> it's a rare pair. Yes. yes. Hi, Patilda. There she is. Creepy snake. But oh. We know. For her. What is the incantation for a shield charm? Protego, yeah. I think it's Protego. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Alohomora, obviously, is unlock. Petrificus Totalis, Petrify. Yeah. Offliato is how to uh, things down. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, actually, that's the one where it conjures a very delicious Italian sandwich. Oh my God. And I eat oh, it. Is it really? With my face. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's on the Shibata. Wait, what is it now? I, all I can think of is Muffliato. Uh, the, I know. You know I what know I'm talking about. I, I do. I totally do. But Protego, indeed. During the theory oh. of the astronomy owl exam, you must name the many moons of which planet? I mean, I assume Jupiter because See, Earth only has I, one. Pluto, I, they I, think, is not a planet. How many moons? Because I would think Mars, Jupiter being so big has multiple. How many moons does Mars have? I don't actually know. And I may just be getting stuck on the whole like Mars is bright tonight thing that happens in the second mm-hmm. half. And so that might be why like Mars is in my brain. I think Jupiter does have a lot. Mm-hmm. I feel like Mars does not. Because I'm an astrology bitch. I know how many moons Jupiter does have. I think oh. it's either 13 or 16. It's, oh my God. It's got That's a lot of moons. So many. Mm-hmm. Jupiter is like the big one though. So it's got yeah. like all the little guys. Right. Yeah. I'm like, multiple. I didn't know how many. Yeah. Jupiter seems I like, like Jupiter for this answer. Yes. We also didn't even talk about astronomy as one yeah, of Yeah, that's right. true. Well, because it kind of like came and go. I was like, again, looking at this, like mythology didn't come up for me. Like mythology is here in year seven. But like I said, like after second year, I think after alchemy s- didn't come up. Why are you learning about alchemy when you're 12 and then never again? Astronomy is here in second year. Well, we don't even really know what happens in their seventh year because they're not even in school. Right. Another one that actually we have not talked about is arithmancy, which perhaps oh, I guess that is true. That is the math. Oh, yeah. not about that. shoot! But we get zero information on it. So yeah, true. Literally. Yeah. I mean, I'm um, going to give her a pass if she's not a math person either, because I feel that astronomy I have taken in college because I am squeamish. I mean, I've talked about this so many times in the podcast, but we did like the star charts and stuff like that. Dr. Muscatario, he's talking a Romanian accent, and he says things like Saturn have rings like Mexican hat. Uh, <laughs> or, uh, 
there was the one time where we talked about it. asteroids and he's like, asteroid is not like Earth. Earth's round. Asteroid is like potato or carrot. And then somebody in the back of the classroom goes, and radish. And he's like, yes, a radish too. I want to oh marry this man. Are you cute? He was like 700 years old. But okay. I don't care. Lovely. I want to marry him as a young person. I, it's funny because I'm looking at this like Hogwarts classes and in none of those years does it say Aerith Fancy. You're right, but it is mentioned in the book. Yep. What is that website that you're on? Hogwartsishere.com. Oh, oh. <laughs> well. Is that you? I realized that Tara was talking to you. I was like, it's BuzzFeed, girl. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Awkward. Tara's like, check your sources. <laughs> yeah i would like to leave them a message please check your sources well the good news is we passed our owls with flying colors <laughs> that's because we're amazing nice yeah it's a group effort absolutely all good it's fine how some of my grad school classes were i feel good about it thank you guys so much for joining us today thank you guys the curriculum episode thank you for so having us fun of course. so fun anything else as we're wrapping up here i know sydney you're writing a book and jill i know you're an author as well anything that you want to share or plug <laughs> i would like Other to plug that, like, having in your right <laughs> i would like to plug having some time to actually put some words on a page um <laughs> yes. i'd like to plug maybe a pull quote from you find folks when it's done. One of the things that happens when I hire folks on my team is one of the questions is what class would you teach at Hogwarts if you were a teacher? So I'd love to know what your class would be if you could teach one. Oh, I was not prepared for this. Um, I mean, I feel like it's obvious that I would teach divination. Hmm. I don't know that that's obvious. I mean, like, maybe obvious. I think it's a good pick anyway. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, if I'm going to shoot for the stars, yeah. I mean, charms, I would want to teach charms. Yeah. Love that. It would definitely be care of magical creatures. Easy. That's that cool. seems right for you, for sure. <laughs> Solid choice. Solid choice. Yeah, for sure. What about the two of you? I would probably want to teach Defense Against the Dark Arts. Mm. Or just the Dark Arts class. <laughs> Like, I feel like, uh, uh, see, now, Jill, after all of your talk about like how cool a history of magic is, I feel like you would be a great history of magic teacher, but yeah, dark arts, period. <laughs> great. Dark arts. Like, there could be I history, but dark, dark arts. arts. Actually, no, I would be the librarian at the Hogwarts Library, let's That's be honest. Beautiful. That's that what is I That's amazing. Move yeah. over, Madam Pence. There you go. Right? My answer has changed over the years for sure. I used to also think Defense Against the Dark Arts because it was the only thing where it's like class or anything ever happened in IRL of Hogwarts. Then I also thought it would be really fun to do Transfiguration just because it seems really complex and it's like animals without necessarily being care of magical creatures because some of those things seemed dangerous. But as I get more settled in my ways, I feel like I'd be a good potions teacher because in my real world, I am obsessed with fragrance and perfume. Mm -hmm. And I feel like if I could like specifically focus on aromatherapy or magical fragrances, I think that could be really a cool specialty. Maybe I don't teach at Hogwarts, maybe I do to grad school. <laughs> okay. Next time we are going to be covering chapter which chapter was that? 37? 37. The, the Lost, Lost Prophecy. Prophecy. We've already recorded it, but it is a doozy of a chapter. Yeah. <laughs> That's a big one, you guys. That's exciting. Then we have the pleasure of like the Second World War and then we get a break. <laughs> I mean, nice. 
some other yeah. fun episodes. Thanks again, Jill and Sydney. Thank for you guys. Thanks, Thanks for, for having, having us. This was so fun. Like what a fantastic way to spend the evening. I love to, for uh, sure. getting to know both of awesome. you better. We'll yeah. catch you later, guys. Okay. Bye. Bye. <laughs>